Fixate on Code, Episode 8. Oh yes, Larry Buerta here and you're listening to Fixate on Code, the weekly bite-sized podcast where I talk to the best devs about their favorite strategies for writing great code. And today's featured guest is none other than Jonathan Snook. Jonathan, are you ready to get down to business? I am ready. <laughs> Jonathan is the creator of the influential SMACS methodology for writing scalable and modular CSS. He has worked his magic at Zero, Yahoo, and Shopify, and has appeared on stated conferences such as Generate, CSS Conf, and the Smashing Conference. With three highly acclaimed books, Jonathan has a knack for influencing devs around the world and earning the respect of the top people in the industry. Jonathan, can you fill in some of the gaps in that intro and tell me a little bit about what you get up to when you're not writing code? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, that, that's a pretty good snapshot of probably the last five years or so of, uh, of my career. I'm focusing a lot on uh, product development uh, and design. Before that, uh, did a lot of freelancing, uh, did a lot of agency work. Uh, that's pretty much where I cut my teeth. And then uh, these days, um, kind of went back to, to freelancing. I, I like the flexibility that, uh, that the freelance life offers. I get to work from home. Uh, I get to hang out in my pajamas all day. Um, it's a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> That's awesome. So what are you most passionate about as a developer? It's, uh, you know, I, honestly, for me, I think that uh, time has maybe made me a little bit of a cynic, a little bit of a, a, a jaded individual, and in that the, there isn't a whole lot that like really jumps out at me as super exciting um, because everything just feels like an evolution over what has come before. I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, great uh, technologies uh, to play with. Um, you know, there's always a new JavaScript framework. There's uh, plenty of new CSS features coming down the pipe. And uh, I, I'm excited to, to use those and take advantage of those in the, in the work that I do. Uh, but there's always going to be something else. There's always going to be some new thing um, that uh, that I'll get to play with and, and, and get to integrate into my thing. And um, for me, it's, it's always about the, the creativity in these things, like seeing um, how to the push the envelopes uh, in specific ways. And, and, and I enjoy that aspect of it. I love playing with the technology. Mm, and the elements of good design are timeless. There's this constant flux of new toys and shiny new things, but it's the fundamentals that are, they're always there. Now, Jonathan, can you tell me about the worst experience you've ever had on a project? So I... I for, you know, I think honestly, I've I've been a little spoiled um, in that I don't really have bad experiences per se. Um, I mean, I, I can think of um, you know certain situations where I mean, okay, so there's the technology side of things, and and technology, you know, the, the sort of the worst case scenarios are, hey, I, I accidentally like deleted something on a project, and we don't have <laughs> backups, and we're screwed, and and I definitely I remember early on in my career, uh, back before I knew about version control, and my mm -hmm. version control was copying and pasting a folder. Uh, before I made any big changes. And uh, I remember doing a search and replace um, through this particular project um, to update something. And I didn't make a backup. And I totally borked every single image on this project. Uh, so we basically lost about two days worth of work oh. um, on, on this particular project. And, you know, those things happen. Uh, uh, we... 
went back to work and, and, and got the stuff back in place. But, you know, those kind of situations suck. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for me, it's, it's often about uh, the more difficult parts of development are the, the people side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, people are... People come with their own baggage into into projects. Um, they have their own ideas, and uh, you know, really trying to push, you know, what I think is the best way to solve that. And other people are trying to push what they feel is the best way, and, and trying to find that sort of compromise. And I, I definitely, I, I think, you know, some of my worst experiences were not being able to handle that extremely well. And I, I think it's one of those things uh, that uh, you know, over over the years, I've I've really worked to try to improve. What if what have you tried to actually improve those situations for yourself? Uh, so a lot of it is is self awareness. Um, you know, if you don't recognize that uh, you're you're being an asshole, then you know people, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you, you're going to continue to be that person. And um, you know, I can definitely recognize uh, in myself th- those times where. Uh, I did not handle a situation well, where I resorted to yelling in a meeting, which is never. Never okay. And so it's those types of things where it's like, okay, why uh, did this happen? How how do I, you know, sort of address these issues? How do I uh, work better with with these people so that, um, you know, we we come up with a good solution that, you know, everybody feels good about when they walk out of a room. Um, I don't want people to feel uh, like I'm trying to steamroll them. I, I don't want people to feel like, uh, I'm. I don't have their best interests at heart. Uh, so th- those are the kinds of things that, uh, for me, it's it's just really about, you know, how do I help people do the best work that they can do? Mm, and it's a fine balancing act when working with a team and trying not to step on toes. And I think half the battle is just trying to keep that cool disposition. So Jonathan, which method, tool, or service are you using that you just can't live without? I mean, for me, it's uh, a Often about the basics. So for me, my text editor, right? Like it's kind of one of those critical things that uh, that I, that I need to get through a day. Um, it's how I get my work done. And um, I used to uh, kind of go from editor to editor, um, whereas now I've I've kind of settled on Vim. And you know, there there might be all these sort of new things that people like, whether or not it's Atom or uh, Microsoft Code. There's you know all these different platforms, and and they bring a lot to the table. Uh, for me, I'm I, I, I'm in my safe space now, and uh, I'm going to be probably that old crotchety guy that will, you know, always <laughs> continue to use Vim just because um, that that is my comfort zone. Um, likewise, um, you know, when it comes to using Git, like sure, there's a lot of um, probably great uh, WYSIWYG tools uh, for using Git. Uh, I've tried to learn the command line stuff as well as I can so that I'm comfortable in that. Um, and just you know, having these these types of things uh, do help. Um, you know, I, I like some of the stuff that uh, things like Docker and, and Vagrant bring to the table. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I used MAMP for years, and um, I, I like the ease the ease of use that that brings to the table. That I can just you know run an installer. My environment is there, ready to go. There's not a lot of configuration that I need to do, and I I like that. Those types of environments um, where everything I need is is in one place, easily configurable, um, which I guess is just kind of contradicting what I said before about not <laughs> tending to use a lot of tools like that. Yeah, I, I guess uh, you know, a hit or miss depending on what it is. 
So Jonathan, tell me where in your daily work do you meet frustration and where do you think there's room for things to be done more effectively? Like, is there room for improvement? Yes. Uh, there, there's always room for improvement. I think for me, um, procrastination or busy work um, is one of those things. Um, it's I, I recognize when I'm not particularly focused. Um, and so I've, I try to put certain things uh, bumpers basically in place to make sure that I I stay focused. And so one of those things is blocking out social media. Uh, for example, I, I use a little app uh, called Self-Control, which blocks, you know, blocks Reddit, it blocks Twitter, blocks Facebook. And that, that for me, I need that. I need that uh, very strict environment uh, to focus on the stuff that I need to do. Um, it's, uh, you know, people talk about flow and that ability to get into that headspace. And it, that requires time. Uh, it requires anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes uh, to a half an hour to actually get into that zone. And so for me, uh, often the struggle is, okay, open the editor. Okay, op- open the browsers. Like, what do I need to do? Like, let's break it down. Okay, just do this thing. Just start this thing, and getting my brain to just focus on something for an extended period of time. And uh, I think my biggest frustration is is that I have been training my brain to focus on small things for a small period of time. Uh, and and social media for me has been, uh, in a lot of ways, a huge distraction. Uh, and training me away from long focused tasks, um, that sort of deep thinking that needs to happen to produce good work. Um, and so when I get into that zone, um, it's a wonderful place. Um, and so for me, the, the biggest frustration is just the amount of work right now that I, I find it requires me to actually get into the zone. Yes, I went through a bad patch of Facebook binging, but I've used a, a Chrome extension for a couple of years now to to entirely block my feed. Now, speaking of that zone, have you heard of the book Deep Work by Cal Newport? I have, and I've actually only just started reading it. Uh, I'm about like five pages in. Uh, I think the, one of the problems, though, is, is that I need to <laughs> have the focus to be able to finish <laughs> reading the book, uh, which has been, yeah, I've been reading it for like a month. So the fact that I'm, I'm so uh, little of the way through the book uh, is probably a sign I should just block off some time and, and get through it. <laughs> yeah, once I got into that book, I couldn't put it down. So Jonathan, the pace at which new libraries and frameworks are coming out is just insane. How do you decide on what you want to learn and how do you make time to learn it? Uh, so some of it is just, um, uh, it's funny, I actually, uh, I wrote up a blog post uh, where I talk about how I learn and recognizing that uh, it it works on different levels. And so the first level is just taking everything in. So that in, in one of, a lot of the ways social media has been beneficial is that I see stuff. I'll see a blog post, I'll click on it, and I'll just do like a cursory scan of what it is, what it's trying to do. And then I kind of have that in the back of my mind. And so if I'm working on a project and it's like, oh, how do you do this? And I'm like, oh, right. I saw a blog post once. There's That, that information is out there. Uh, and then I can go back and refer to that. And so having that sort of initial thing just gives me an idea of what's even possible. Mm. So once I have that, then the next level is to uh, actually implement this on a particular project. Um, so if I'm uh, you know, taking this idea and implementing it, 
what are the sort of edge cases that I start to see? And, and, and I kind of get to understand it at a deeper level. And then the the last phase for me is you know about teaching people and and I find you know whether or not that's writing up a blog post or talking about it at a conference or doing a workshop, it requires me to go even deeper to understand mm. uh, you know things at a deeper level. Like so, if I'm implementing something, I'm like, oh yeah, that looks great, and I've tested that in like Safari. But what about Chrome? What about Opera? What about Firefox? What about all my mobile browsers? What are the weird situations that I run into uh, when I implement stuff? And and so there's all those types of things that uh, you know just by researching this stuff that you end up learning, um, and and I find that extremely useful and and. Oftentimes, what I'll do to sort of get that implementation stage that uh, you might not have an opportunity opportunity to on a project is to come up with your own projects. I will often do really small, silly little applications that take me six hours to build, um, and the reason is is because I want to test out one idea, um, and in doing so, I, I can get to understand things better. And so for example, I, I built this um, little app uh, that me and my girlfriend were uh, doing for a while where we were tracking license plates. And it's a little mobile app that we just, we enter in license plate information. Uh, and that some of the things that I wanted to do was like, okay, can I create a CSS button that looks and acts like a button? Um, and so getting the touch sensitivity to it where, you know, it actually kind of makes a depressed look and stuff like that uh, was, you know, this sort of exercise. Yeah, it could have been just a regular button, but I got to play with the technology. I got to see, you know, how can I do this at a different level um, on a mobile device? How does it work cross-browser? If I'm on the you know, a small iPhone 4 versus a large, you know, 7 Plus, what kind of stuff do I have to worry about for spacing on the page? Um, if I want to use different keyboards, there's all these different things that um, you start to play with at the edges. Like, I, I, I know that they're there, but until I've actually played with them, uh, I'm not going to really understand it. And so I, I like to have that sort of multi-layer approach to learning about new stuff. And I find that's worked well for me. And I know for myself, I think I get very much stuck in the theory and and not actually doing things. And I think that's something that I can definitely <laughs> employ more on my side. So Jonathan, which specific aspects about programming has dramatically changed the way that you think about and write code? It's, um, for me, over the years, I've found that uh, what works best for me is understanding the basics. And I think this is maybe one of those areas where, uh, you know, because we have all these libraries and frameworks, people often jump into things at a higher abstraction level. Um, now, I also know that I, I have the, the benefit of having been around when those abstractions didn't exist, so I had to learn the, the underlying concepts first. Um, but it Having those things, I think, has made me a better developer. Um, you know, when I look at people jumping into Rails and using um, the uh, the ORM that is built into that, right? The, how it manages database calls and stuff like that. Like that wasn't how I learned. I learned actually writing SQL queries. I like I need to understand data sets and joins and how to do stuff. And um, and and so when I see these frameworks do these like really slow per, 
um, unperformant queries. I'm like, well, how do I get around this? How do I like fix it so that I can do things in a way that to me feels more natural? That you know ends up with one database call instead of uh, literally a hundred different calls to the database. Um, and a lot of that's just how I learned because this is what I needed to do in order to get stuff done. And as a result, I feel like I I write better code having that underlying knowledge. Uh, without that, I, I'm scrambling. And, and so when I use a framework, I I need to look into the code of that framework and what it's doing. And whether that's back end or front end, uh, I need to understand it. Um, you know, if there's a bug in the system, is it my code or is it the applications or the, the framework that I'm using? Is it their system? And how does it actually pull off what it's trying to do? And um, so having that deeper understanding of what it's trying to pull off for me is extremely useful um, in, in trying to write better applications. And without that deeper understanding, it's difficult to understand how a library is inevitably going to get in your way. And with that, we've come to the end of our first segment. Jonathan, are you ready for the quick fire question round? Fire away. <laughs> what is the best advice about programming you've ever received? Well, I think this uh, probably ties into uh, what we were just talking about. Um, you know, understand the basics. Yeah, and keeping it simple. Yes. Which personal habits do you attribute to writing better code? Uh, sleep well. <laughs> yeah, I think that that in a nutshell, sleep well. Like, it, it, you know, we burn ourselves out. So sleep well, get some rest, come at it. Um, you, you'll write a lot better. And sleep is so easy to neglect. Yes. Now, if you could recommend one book on programming, Jonathan, what would it be and why? Can I recommend my own book? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's uh, books, uh, despite the fact that, I, that I've written books, um, I, I try to, I don't have one particular book because there's so many different facets, so many different things. Oh, shoot. I, I mean, there's like... Um, <laughs> Design patterns by the Gang of Four. Um, there's um, uh, a sequel book written by, like it's an oracle book written probably 20, 30 years ago. Um, is a great book on understanding the basics. Um, there's, yeah, just I find a lot of these things. They're the books are 20, 30 years old, uh, but they're so applicable to the stuff that we're still doing today. And they're making a huge impact on the way that we work today. Now, Jonathan, who in the front-end world is doing work that really inspires you? Oh, gosh. Um, so I, I'm not a huge fan of uh, idolatry in our industry. It is something that we uh, tend to do. Uh, although if I had to pick one person, um, I would say probably Chris Coyer, and, and for a few reasons. One, he's just a genuinely nice guy. Um, and I, I think that goes a long way um, in our industry. Just like be nice to people. Um, he does a lot of great work, pumps out a lot of great content, um, and and I think you know that's that's a good thing to model within our industry. So, Jonathan, imagine you wake up and you have no recollection of ever writing code. With the tools, books, and courses available today, how would you go about learning to program, and would you even do it? <laughs> uh, I think I would. I mean, I've always had a curiosity with with technology uh, well before the web. Um, 
yeah, I would grab magazines and I would type machine code uh, into a command line and hope I didn't make a single typo because if I did, the whole thing would just be completely ruined. Um, to uh, yeah, just like the the sort of curiosity of technology. And so, you know, if I was starting over from scratch today, um, I find that probably the best way for me to learn is to have a project. Um, and so I'd pick up a project and look at how do I implement this? Where do I start? And again, start with the basics. So what do I need to build out an interface? What do I need to tie up a back end uh, to that stuff? I mean, I still remember getting a CD-ROM with a trial version of Microsoft SQL Server on it and creating a database call for the first time. And it was just copying and pasting code um, into the application. But the moment that I had a table of data spit out onto the page. I was like so excited. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think that would change this time around. All right. So let's wrap up with your top tip on how to work smart and the best way that we can connect with you. Uh, well, work smart, um, you know, stay focused. Um, I, I think has probably been a bit of a theme for today. Uh, so, you know, whatever you need to do to get that focus, whether it's blocking out social media or using uh, time management tools like the Pomodoro technique. Um, yeah, I think that the more you can stay focused on the work you need to do, uh, get in the zone, um, do that deep work, um, the better off you'll be. As far as the best way to connect uh, with me, um, you can reach me at uh, snook.ca, um, on Twitter at snookca. Um, yeah. Cool. And to everyone out there, you've been hanging with Jonathan Snook and Larry Porter. Head over to fixate.it where you'll find links and timestamps for everything we've been talking about today. And of course, head over to snook.ca to get the latest and greatest from Jonathan and also to smacks.com, required reading for anyone who deals with CSS on a daily basis. And Jonathan, thank you for sharing your journey with Fixate on Code today. Keep pushing the limits and keep pushing great code.